0: This is Women Authors of Achievement podcast, episode thirty-one, with guest Shanyu Shu. Hello, everyone. I'm your host Daria Suvorova, and welcome to the show. You are what you eat. With this words, we're starting season two of Women Authors of Achievement podcast. Women's health, beauty and wellness is a growing multi-billion market. My guest today, Shan Yu Shu, has 10 years of experience as a startup founder. And with her latest venture, she's aiming to help working women with everything from gut and skin health to essential vitamins. In today's episode, I ask Shainu about her secret source of energy as a founder of five startups as of today, how we can support our gut microflora and the state of dietary supplements in the European market. Hey, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. In the meantime, equip yourself with some gut-friendly probiotics and enjoy the conversation. Shanyu, great to see you today in the studio. I know you have been very busy growing your business and I'm very proud of myself actually that I managed to steal some of your time and talk about your entrepreneurial journey and the gut health. Thank you very much for having me, Daria. (laughs) I'm excited. Your parents immigrated to Germany from China in the 80s. First they studied in Germany and later they started a number of restaurants and food businesses. I was reading in some of your interviews where you stated that thanks to them you grew the passion for entrepreneurship and later on also the food tech industry can you share more on the impact your parents have had on the choices you made in your life
1: i would say my parents are everything for me i mean thanks to them i was able to grow up here and by here i mean in the western world <laughs> i had all the options in my whole my entire life so they worked literally <laughs> their asses off <laughs> to, you know, give my brother and myself everything that we ever wanted, every option for education, wherever we wanted to study. And that's essentially everything. So for them, they, they've always put us first. And a reason why they emigrated was actually, yeah, to provide their children a better future. And this is, yeah, this is something I look up to. This is something I have within me, obviously within my upbringing. And this is something I would say that would forever yeah, impact my, my life and my decisions.
0: And this has also led you to the food tech industry, right? Were you like spending a lot of time in the restaurants or exploring their work?
1: Yeah, growing up as a, so to say, gastronomy child. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's where are the parents? I mean, they are working and uh, they are in the restaurant. So I grew up with the whole yeah, spirit of, you know, taking care of guests and, you know, the whole hosting, you know, something and preparing meals so that people, you know, could enjoy them in a nice environment. So for me, yeah, I think I was always intrigued with the business and the emotions that food creates within people. And connecting people via meals, having meals together. That's something that always, for me also, you know, being together with my family always meant to be in the restaurant. So for me, very emotionally, food is connected with being together, but also business.
0: (laughs) And I would say even more, it was, you were not just intrigued, you actually founded three food tech companies. (laughs) So that's, that's far, far from just being curious. But Speaking about those companies, so your first three foot tech companies, Eat U, Uber, Eat First, and Eating with the Chefs, all had to be close, unfortunately. How did you continue throughout those years to push yourself forward and you didn't necessarily feel discouraged by your first ventures and the experiences and not having that typical success story that we usually read in the media all the time? Mm-hmm.
1: I think what helps is that I started my journey before I started the whole food tech track, so to say. Uh, my first venture, my very first venture, is actually a b two b software as a service venture so and that was something totally new and very essential for my future career then because I never had experience with b two b software. you know it's a completely different area from where I come from from where I grew up and I think it's thanks to that that I had the strength to you know fail a couple times and you know get up again because then essentially I could combine all the learnings meaning from tech b2b software side pure digital business to you know very haptical working with fresh perishable goods businesses to where I am now with her one.
0: After those experiences why did you decide for her one, which focuses more on health, specifically mm-hmm. dietary supplements, rather than trying out another food tech, you know, company and yeah. startup?
1: I think everything has its timing in life and obviously also in business. So going back five, six, seven, eight years I would say, I mean, the world was a different one. (laughs) We were pre-pandemic, obviously. And um, it was difficult to scale a full-on, let's say, food business with like, you know, production, fresh meals and the whole supply chain. I remember when I started my first food delivery, healthy food delivery, we were using quinoa as an ingredient. And... It was super tough to get. I had to source it from fr- some specialty shop <laughs> imported <What? laughs> from South America. It was not even available at, you know, Metro or Rewe or whatever the cannot usual imagine pla- places. Yeah, but that was 2012, not so long ago. And then, you know, fast forward, pandemic, uh, now I get like... I don't know, a weekly request on LinkedIn. Hey, I have this idea about food delivery and, you know, can you help us? And what are your learnings about, you know, X, Y, Z uh, food delivery? <laughs> and yeah, in the end, I would say it is timing. And then the the second thing is that uh, I was always intrigued with, you know, food and health. So the combination of it. So food is not just, you know, pure enjoyment and indulgence in a way. It's it's also the essence of life. I mean, we need nutrients in order to live. And for me, it's about living longer, living a healthier life and living a better life, essentially. So it was, I think, the best option for me to look into those areas in combination with my, you know, uh, software background, tech background. Um, and then, yeah, it's her one is the perfect spot, I would say. What has shaped you
0: in those 10 years of experience before her one that you integrated into that new company? Was it specific skills? Was it specific knowledge? Was it your network?
1: It's definitely everything. <laughs> but also, most importantly, it lies uh, within the founder i would say so i also speak to a lot of first time founders um and i always get the question how did you do it i mean i'm i'm struggling maybe with my first venture i cannot imagine going through you know the whole uh failure process and start all all over again and then fail maybe again so the whole uncertainty it doesn't get better <laughs> actually but this is actually the most important thing i'm telling people With time, I was able to, yeah, kind of like draw the line between my personal life and, you know, what I am doing as a private person, so to say, and my business persona and me as the CEO, as the founder. It is always linked and connected, but I try to, you know, cut out the emotions. And this is something that I learned within my first startup when I was doing sales, actually, you know. Picking up the telephone, calling people, code calling sales. And at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, so embarrassing. Another no. And, you know, kind of like I took it very personally, the no that people are not interested. And then at some point, I was, I was changing my perspective on the things. And I was like, hey, I'm here behind the phone. They wouldn't. Rec- remember my name probably (laughs) they've never seen me and you know they probably forget me in like one hour and then it changed my whole attitude also towards you know the whole sales process and this I think is linked to my entrepreneurial journey of you know being able to start all over again and pursue my dream yeah that's interesting
0: that you say that because that's the hardest part especially when it's your baby you know like you really built it up you had that idea and to disconnect that personal attachment to that business that you've been growing that's the toughest one and I really appreciate that you spoke about it that there are possibilities there mm-hmm. are ways to draw that line because maybe many founders cannot do that and they cannot imagine that but do you have some also some tricks how how to draw this
1: this line well, something practical, a- yeah, activities besides work help, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so um, for me, I enjoy obviously cooking, but also you know sports helped a lot, so I was not much of a sports person, to be honest, in mm-hmm. the back, like um yeah, in the past. So basically not allowing yourself to be fully consumed
0: with it. Yes. I mean, this is partial, but this is also what makes a founder successful potentially with their startup. If they're like 100% in and they're consumed with it, they're pushing forward and they're contagious with the work they do.
1: I mean, this, yes, but this can be, you know, also you have to draw the line where it gets emotional. So when people reject you or when people say no or, you know, kind of like you cannot close a business deal or whatever, then it's not personal. It's business. So this is this is what I meant with drawing the line. So I am fully committed. I am, you know, I also sometimes get super emotional when someone, you know, says says something about my brand or whatever. Um, criticism is always tough to handle, but I try to kind of like take a step back and kind of like uh, do a couple of breaths, and then I'm like, okay, it's it's business. It's not personal.
0: Correct. And just a few months ago, you closed a Series A investment round of 5.5 million euros, which will help you grow your brand in the Europe. At least that's what I was reading is your intentions. <laughs> Once again, congratulations. This is amazing news. I was reading back in, I think, July uh, this
1: summer. So what does this mean to you, Shan Yu, and your team? Thank you very much. Um, also, <laughs> on on following up with this story, I think it has been a yeah, tremendous journey for um, um, myself, but also for my whole team. I think it gives us now opportunities that we didn't have in the past. Um, so yeah, obviously, um, adding new talent to the team, but also creating many, many more products for our community and our customers. And that's something I am very, very excited about.
0: Also exciting is that women's health, beauty, and wellness is a growing multi-billion market, which is crazy. <laughs> and you mentioned um, also in a few of your interviews that, that generation needs and values are different today than previously. So how does your company cater for this new generation of working women and mothers that you're serving with your products?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it starts with um, the whole experience of the brand. So we are direct-to-consumer at the moment. And it means for us that we engage, obviously, via social media and online platforms with our community and customers. And that alone gives, I would say, a different um, experience and different touch points um, that the consumers have with us. And then everything about it. So I moved into this, you know, supplement space, I would say in Germany, people would perceive it as, you know, another pill, you know, uh, some herbs or whatever (laughs) there is in it. And we tried to change the whole experience of the product linked to the brand. We decided to move into a space, gut health, which is, I would say, very medical and also very maybe also yeah, not the most modern, let's say, (laughs) one, and definitely not chic, right? So it's not chic to talk about your gut, flora, digestion, whatever. And we try to break those taboos combined with a product that is very, I would say, you know, nice looking. So we always get compliments about how our packaging is, the whole branding, the whole, you know, CI, the language, how, Yeah, we transform actually the supplement, so to say, the classic supplement into something new. And this is what is developing in the market. So we see beauty, we see, you know, fashion, we see lifestyle, health, it all gets like it's all moving and moving into one thing, which is essentially also well-being. And then, yeah, we try to create products that always cater to those um, things that people care about.
0: And why do you think it's important for working women specifically to have special supplements? How can this support them Mm -hmm. in their daily life?
1: I mean, you and I are working women. I would (laughs) say we are the perfect target audience. So maybe let's go through, when was the last time you cooked a healthy meal for yourself?
0: Oh my goodness,
1: don't ask me me this.
0: (laughs) Maybe four days ago?
1: Yeah. This is exactly what I am hearing, what I am also experiencing myself as a working woman, meaning, yeah, there is just not enough time to, you know, handle all the things. And we tend to cut back at ourselves first. So I would say that's a trait that we we have. I mean, I would say we, we grew up with it, putting everyone, everything, first partner, kids, family, whatever, job, <laughs> friends, and then it's us. So um, I would say this is this is the reason why we want to, you know, be the brand and we want to be the health companion for modern women.
0: Yeah, in my defense, I can say that I did buy um, one of your products, Inner Beauty. So <laughs> I did start uh, with that <laughs> a week ago. First step. <laughs> First step is there. But since we're speaking of Inner Beauty, what does it contain how to consume it, how to consume supplements in general? Mm -hmm.
1: It's It's a very good question and also linked to how we create products. So we decided to move into this gut health topic. And, you know, the most important thing is that we don't want to have this medical connection to it. I mean, it is a health product. It is, you know, a dietary supplement. But we actually don't want this medical kind of like medicine Connection to it. So, we decided to not have a classic pill or powder pill uh, first. We decided to go with powder, actually. So, it's a drink that you can mix with water or oat milk or whatever you like. Uh, You can add it as a topping to your yogurt, to your meal, just not hot meals. So, probiotics are very heat um, sensitive. And then it is the supplement, meaning it supports you whenever you need it and in the most flexible way. And this is, um, yeah, an essential decision that we made how to move into this, this you know, crowded supplement market to have a product that is more unique, so to say.
0: Mm-hmm. And it tastes nice. <laughs> but before we go more into uh, gut health, I was also reading that you refer to your customers as a community, which mm-hmm. I found very interesting why did you decide for that? And are you trying to increase loyalty with that or are you trying to understand the needs of your customers better? What's the the key reasoning here? Yeah,
1: that's I think that's linked to your previous question about, you know, modern women and the needs of modern women. So, I want to be part of something. If I buy a specific brand, my decisions are made because I want to be part of that community, essentially. So in everything, in fashion, in food, in all the choices that, that's I, basically, that, that I make.
0: That's basically prerequisite for any brand, product or service for today. To yes.
1: me, it is. it is. So it is essential for every successful brand nowadays to think about your customers in a way of a community and then, you know, engage with them, obviously, but also Try to get their input on topics, and how is it going? It's uh, it's going well. So we just uh, relaunched a, a one of other uh, of our other products based on community feedback, and it's cool that we can say now, hey, we listened to you and your feedback, and um, this is why we changed X Y Z. So. It seemed like a small change, but we did do, you know, work on the whole recipe of a of product. Uh, so oh, wow. that includes new sourcing, new new ingredients, packaging also, smell, everything. And where do you collect that feedback? Uh, we do that via our social media, actually. So we are also social media first. So for us, it's our Instagram community and we do a lot of polls. We ask people for feedback, obviously also through our um, CRM. And then we collect everything in our in-house BBI department. And BBI means for us business, but also behavioral intelligence, which is, again, linked to the community part. Um, It is about behavior. It is about creating products that, uh, you know, impact people's lives through behavioral changes, actually.
0: I was also reading that twice as women are suffering from digestive health issues on a weekly basis compared to men. I mean, how can this be explained? (laughs) We spoke about working women and stress and that we usually put ourselves last. Mm -hmm. But is there any other reasoning for this?
1: It is um, based on... Our bodies actually. So the female gut is actually longer than the male gut. So if you would, you know, take our guts out and just, you know, measure it, (laughs) let's (laughs) let's not go into specifics, but it's actually longer. But our bodies are usually, you know, smaller in Mm -hmm. the upper part. And that's why the whole gut is a bit more crowded within our upper body parts, actually. (laughs) And that leads to, yeah, more cramping and kind of like less space because also we have to share it with our uterus and all the uh, internal organs that men don't have. (laughs) And yeah, that's the reason why women suffer more and more often from digestive health issues.
0: Many experts also say that intestine is like our second brain mm-hmm. and that bacteria living in the intestine are capable of controlling a person at a level of a nervous system, which is fascinating. However, the research in the field of gut microflora and its impact on health and body is still, as I understand it, in its infancy. So these are serious things we're talking about here. This is not jokes. Like This is mm-hmm. uh, has a huge impact on our health and well-being. So Shainu, how do you really take care of your gut microflora and how do you recommend others to take care?
1: It is a super new field. Um, I got uh, introduced to it, so to say, via a book, a bestseller in Germany called Darm mit Scham. It's one of the books that put gut flora or microbiome onto uh, mass market spotlight, so to say. And, but the book, the book is already, it's like eight, nine years old. So it's, yeah, also not new, new, so to say. But yeah, as you said, the science behind it is quite, yeah, at the beginning, because first you have to understand that the microbiome is like, is as unique as your fingerprint. So you get it with your birth from your mom. (laughs) And then it's hard to change it, basically. So yeah, you either have luck or you don't. (laughs) For example, children that come with via, via cesarean c-section, uh, to the world have a less, let's say diverse gut flora because they did not, you know, did go through the normal birth process. And, um, yeah, these are one of the things that, um, scientists are, you know, working on how to change maybe the microbiome by birth. In some countries you get like a swab after a C section, the babies, the new the new fetuses. Um, so they get also in contact with other bacteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so studies have shown that this could be linked to allergies, for example could be linked to some chronical diseases. It could be linked to a, in general, um, let's say, weaker immune system because also seventy to eighty percent of the immune system is produced within the gut, actually. So immune system cells, um, serotonin is produced in the gut. So a lot of hormones and um, yeah, that impact the well being, the overall well being of a person,
0: which means it can it can also be linked to depression
1: it can so and this is where uh, we stop also as a brand so we don't give medical advice actually we try to educate people about all the things that are going on in the world but we also know that as a supplement company we are not the only thing to do which is linked to your question what can people do to you know strengthen their gut flora so first of all it's actually Cutting any types of sugar. So sugar is actually um, the reason for bad bacteria, so to say, to grow. And cutting sugar is the first and most important thing. That includes lactose, which is milk, sugar, that includes fru- fructose, which is, um, yeah, in fruits, <laughs> as low as possible. Then it is cutting back on stress. Um, Definitely, because um, we all know it, traveling somewhere or something, you know, it's stressful. And then the digestion is, you know, weaker most of the times. Third point is eat a lot of fiber. Everything that contains fiber, and I think it has been difficult for, you know, fiber (laughs) um, because of the whole low-carb, no-carb kind of like movement, we stopped eating carbs at all. But actually, multigrain, whole grain you know products that are rich in fiber um, are super, super important. so and most of the times they also contain carbs. <laughs> You see,
0: I mean, everything is good at the end of the day in, in proper amounts.
1: Yes, everything, definitely. Maybe that should be
0: an approach not to cutting down. I mean, maybe sugar. <laughs> yeah. But even there, you know, fructose and, and eating fruits, it's like high in vitamins. So again, difficult to completely um,
1: It is. I mean, cut it out. <laughs> I also don't live on a strict diet, so to say. Um, I think, first of all, it's the awareness that you have to have um, towards your body, what your body needs also in times of stress, in times of, For us women, also menstrual cycle, and then, um, yeah, listening to your body, and then, yeah, everything will be fine. Back in the times when I lived in the States and I would go to Whole Foods, I would see
0: entire alleys and shelves dedicated to food supplements. Why is the market still so small in Germany?
1: Yeah, everything is bigger and better in the US or in Asia. Um, as with most consumer products, I would say, but the awareness is changing. And I see a lot of brands also, you know, the whole fermentation movement helped with the whole gut health movement. So putting that on the agenda. Yeah. So it's, it's again about education. It's about how we, you know, perceive health and food and supplements. I think in the US or in Asia, it's more, yeah, it's, it's part of your daily life. It's actually, it's not, you know, it's not medical. It's actually, it's the preventional part of, you know, not getting diseases um, in the future or at age. And then for Europeans, I would say it's more like, oh, I only take it because, you know, I start feeling unwell. So it's the whole, I'm taking it, To, Because I'm already feeling that I'm not feeling well. And I think that's something that changes um, in our generation, at least, to really actively or proactively take matters into your own hands regarding your health and overall well-being. That includes, you know, sleeping well. Um, drinking lots of water, hydration, doing sports, uh, that includes everything. It's not Correct, just yeah. supplements. But I'm just also thinking, as
0: you spoke of those different markets, in Europe and also I would imagine Asia, the culture of fermenting things mm-hmm. is a lot more advanced than U.S. at yeah. the end of the day. We have in Germany sauerkraut, for instance. (laughs) In Asia, we can find kimchi. I mean, this is not the bacteria that you would find in yogurt or kefir. That's a little bit different, but it also helps uh, the gut microflora. Isn't that culture is already good enough? I mean, for all of us, and maybe us needs to catch up with (laughs) more with the supplements
1: (laughs) in a way. Yeah, I think to fill in the gap. How many people do ferment their own sauerkraut or, you know, do ferment their own kimchi or, you know, have a kombucha starting culture? So I think it's 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 only a few people and the mass market would always uh, try to get something convenient, a drink kombucha, for example, or, you know, buying the pre-fermented sauerkraut at the supermarket or eating yogurt, for example. Um, so I think that that will stay and, and that's super important to try, you know, kind of like um, have enough good nutrients in your daily dietary plan. But we try to combine those things and, you know, be the convenient supplement, so to say. So all of our ingredients are from natural sources, food-based. So we're actually not or well, we're actually less medical-based in terms of ingredients we are whole foods based and and that's that's i think what is happening in the market the shift also when i look at us brands um, they understand the distinguish to distinguish between you know the medical supplements where you just you know take any pill and it's kind of like gives you any synthetic whatever vitamin or having food related sources as dietary supplement
0: from a regulatory standpoint, was it difficult to launch this food dietary supplement product in Germany? And is it in general difficult mm-hmm. to launch those in Germany in EU? Um, is the space har- highly regulated?
1: So I have to watch what I'm saying. So maybe everyone wants to go into supplements now. <laughs> no, but actually it's I mean, it's like in every business, there are advantages and disadvantages. Maybe starting with the disadvantages, it is so to say. I mean, it's a physical product that people consume, so in the end, you are liable for that. <laughs> and you know, from a standpoint, kind of like regarding, yeah, the, the ingredients and the food safetyness and uh, everything included with uh, all these processes. Yeah, you in the end are liable for that. So that's a negative point compared to online businesses or pure um, digital businesses. The advantages are that everything within Europe is regulated for Europe. So that's cool. We don't have to look into specific laws you know, for Bulgaria or Italy or whatever. So everything is regulated. That's a plus. And there is no FDA or something like that in the US. A food supplement belongs to a food product. So, per se, it's not a medical yeah, device or it's not medicine. It's food, but it has special regulations uh, what to claim, uh, what to say, how to say, you know, kind of like the amount of ingredients. Uh, yeah. So, if you follow that form, then you are on the safe side, actually.
0: So in your case, if you would be in US, you would not need to follow that form because you're not necessary medical dietary supplement.
1: Yeah. So we are a food-based product.
0: You don't have to comply to that wording I mean, as much.
1: I think FDA includes a, you know, food safety ness, <laughs> I yeah. would say, in the US. We haven't looked much into that from a regulatory perspective, but we are safe within um, Europe uh, and can, you know, and are comply with all the laws here for food safety. I'm just
0: like putting my legal hat and like investigating now. (laughs) But as you spoke of Europe, um, this actually brings me to the last question before the last question. Mm -hmm. What are next steps for you? I mean, are you planning to grow your product offering or are you
1: expanding geographically so what it is. It's actually both. And uh, that's what I'm super excited about. So we are launching, I think, um, four four or five new products until wow. the end of Q1. And it's going to be super, super exciting. And we're going to move into new verticals that are not just gut health related for us. I mean, it's about empowering women and supporting women. So There might be, you know, new areas that we want to tackle. And then the second point about expansion is definitely on the horizon soon, I would say, because for the last years, we have been focusing on German-speaking markets. We have tried a lot of things in marketing. We know what works. We know what doesn't work. And we want to replicate it now uh, within Europe, and that's super exciting to, yeah, work with collaboration partners, content creators across Europe that um, that I also follow personally, that are role models for me as well. So that's super cool. Opening ourselves up. Yeah, for more collaboration partners. Well, that's exciting year for you ahead. And
0: where can everyone follow and hear the latest news?
1: It's definitely via our social. <laughs> so <laughs> Instagram at her1.official. Uh we constantly post news, uh, also internal news and product news. So it's also yeah, good to follow us there. That's great. So
0: now time for my last question. About women role models and women author of achievement, Shainu, who did you have on your mind? Who would you like to give a highlight mm-hmm. today?
1: <laughs> when you told me about that question, I was like, oh my god, so many people, and there's so many many great women that I like and that I want to support. But yeah, I'm gonna change what I said before <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, when we when we spoke about that, and I wanna give yeah a heads up or kind of like kudos to uh, one of my best friends, and she started a company in a very difficult space, and to me, it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm really really uh, kind of like. Yeah, for me, I mean, she has been my best friend or one of my best friends for so long. And now seeing her in the business world kicking ass, <laughs> it's uh, amazing. So I am, yeah, I'm a big fan of what she did for that space. So her name.
0: Yes, I'm intrigued. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was so much build up Yes, I'm like, we need some like drum roll here. Her name is Eva Valerique Ferre. It's a complicated name, (laughs) but uh, she is the founder of Morphize. So it's a uh, fund which uses AI and behavioral data to support early stage founders. Impressive. Yeah, it's a crazy space. And I think she deserves a spotlight here. (laughs)
0: Perfect. Spotlight is given. So hopefully she's also listening to us. As we're wrapping our conversation, Yu, I would like to thank you for your time today. I mean, what a recording, what a conversation. I think we covered everything from your founder journey to the gut health to really like how to go over stressful, difficult situations to also dietary supplements market in Europe and the States. And I also got a lovely package uh, as a gift, <laughs> which is gut one, mind and body pills, which I'm, you know, addition to my inner beauty products. This is perfect. Thank you so much for everything and being on my podcast. Thank you
1: very much for having me, Daria.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.